So just a quick review of gout and pseudogout. So gout is an acute onset, uh, excruciatingly painful, um, asymptomatic, asymmetrical, sorry, uh, joint pain, which usually affects the, the toes and small joints of the hand, can affect the wrists, can really affect any joint, but usually the most distal joints. Um, it's, the basics of it is it's um, uric acid, purine metabolism causes um, deposition of monosodium urate crystals within the joint spaces itself. Um, these depositions of these basically foreign bodies in the joint space will cause a local inflammatory reaction which recruits neutrophils and causes pain and inflammation. Um, it can really come in two flavors, either decreased excretion of, of gout, and which is why certain types of diuretics, thiazide diuretics, might uh, exacerbate or cause gout, uh, or in increased production, why you get this in things like um, people on chemotherapy, um, you can sometimes get gout secondary to that. Um, so the differential diagnosis is with any hot swollen joint, you usually need to aspirate it and stick a needle in it, not too much damage can be done through sticking a blue needle into to most joints as long as it's done in aseptic technique and um, you know, it's, not, it's a native joint so there's not a joint replacement or anything like this and the aspirate will classically come back as negatively bioinfringement needle shaped crystals and that's diagnostic of gout obviously you send it off for everything um, like a gram stain to make sure there's nothing growing in it but, uh, usually the lab can tell you pretty quickly that it's, it's going to be gout so in the acute stages, indomethacin, which is a, a, a COX inhibitor, would be the treatment of choice, and colchicine, uh, which binds the tubulin and inhibits microtubular poly polymerization, um, is also a good thing. And colchicine also works by interrupting neutrophil migration. It has anti-inflammatory uh, properties. Um, colchicine is not greatly tolerated. It, it causes diarrhea in 80% of patients. And, um, the old thinking was when you used to give it, you'd say, how, you know, the dose is quite varied. And the consultant used to say, well, just give it until they get diarrhea, um, which isn't exactly a great way of thinking about things. Um, other things you can give would be steroids, but um, intermedicin and um, small um, five-day courses of um, non-steroidal anti-inflammatories is, is a pretty safe bet. Um, allopurinol, which is a xanthine uh, oxidase inhibitor, which will obviously decrease the amount of uric acid that you have um, it's a good idea it's a prophylactic measure but it shouldn't be given acutely as it can exacerbate an acute flare-up and uh, pronecobide can be used to increase uric uh, acid excretion um, in the urine itself so really you know sometimes you just treat every patient the same but the way you should also do it is to do a 24-hour uric um, acid and find out which people are under and over secreted. If someone is under secreting, then probeconide could be a good idea to, to up their secretion. But if they're secreting ample amounts already, then um, really you should be using other things like allopurinol, which is xanthine oxidase inhibitor, and that will prevent gouty flare-ups um, in the future. Pseudogout um, is obviously a differential diagnosis to, to gout when you have a patient, but it usually affects larger joints. So pseudogout is classically in the knee, um, roughly 50-60% would be in the knee and then the shoulder also seen it in the hip as well um, and that basically is, is calcium pyrophosphonate crystals in the joint space and these are rhomboid shaped and they're positively bioinfringent weakly positive bioinfringent so just remember I remember P for pseudogout P for positive 
and and obviously Gao is is negatively by infringement, and then also Gao is obviously a little bit more painful than pseudo Gao. Not to say pseudo Gao is not painful, but I like to think of them as being needle shaped, which is obviously quite a painful thought. Um, the X rays in pseudo Gao can sometimes show calcium deposition in the um, in the cartilage itself. Um, calcochondrinosis you'll see sometimes on the x-rays and you can sometimes just see it in x-rays of people over the age of you know 50, 60, 70 you can sometimes see a small white line uh, in the cartilage and that means there's calcium deposition with gout you get trophic changes if you have chronic um, uric acid deposition you get uh, chronic inflammation of the joint and you get gouty tophy and you can see those sometimes in people's toes you can sometimes see them in people's um, ears um, and the treatment for pseudogout would just be symptomatic only. So, um, you know, you give them um, pain relief and, and physiotherapy. And if someone's got a huge, tense swelling of the knee, then certainly a therapeutic uh, aspiration. And in fact, I'm taking patients to the theater just to wash their knee out to break the cycle of, uh, you know, chronic inflammation. And patients will usually thank you for that. Um, septic arthritis is also obviously high up in a differential and something that you need to exclude pretty quickly. And the mainstay will be that the patient will be septic. In gout and pseudogout, they're not septic. But in septic arthritis, the patient should be septic. Um, you will get a hot swollen joint with decreased range of motion in most of these joint problems. Um, but in septic arthritis, it can be spread either through the blood, and you can have culture positive, or direct spreads such as a penetrating injury into the knee or into the joint. And then... Um, Postoperatively, if someone's had a hip replacement or total knee replacement um, several weeks down the line, you might develop um, in infection within the knee, but you wouldn't expect it in the first couple of days, which is something that commonly catches people out. Um, the inflammatory markers will be raised. They'll have an inability to weight bear through it. They'll have a fever. ESR and CRP will be elevated, and this is Cox criteria. Um, basically, if you have, this is for a limping child, and if you have, you know, three or four of them positive, um, and you're having the high 90% chance of it being a septic joint. Um, so it's quite a sensitive um, test for having a septic arthritis. And the main pathogens will be Staph aureus, um, Strep A, uh, Group A Streptococcus rather, and uh, Gonorrhea, Nisseria. Gonorrhea will be high up on the top three. Staph aureus making up the lion's share of them, but obviously there's different um, pathogens depending on uh, patient uh, demographics and profiles. And the mainstay of treatment is going to be to aspirate. Um, you should hopefully, before you get a good dose of antibiotics, and then you can send that off for cultures and then give broad spectrum antibiotics until the cultures come back with sensitivities. If the knee, say the knee is infected um, and you aspirate it and it comes back gram stain, uh, it's positive, that patient will need a washout of his knee in theater um, and then you'll have to think about long-term antibiotics, whether or not they need a PICC line for intravenous antibiotics. Um, and if it's a total knee replacement or hip replacement, then you might need to think about a two-stage repair because after a couple of um, weeks, you'll get a biofilm on the metal, which won't be penetrated by antibiotics, and that metal will need to come out.